0: Welcome to Evening Tea. I'm your host, Naz. This show is for the lovers, the heartbreakers, and the heartbroken. In tonight's episode, I will be continuing my story about surviving Dubai for two weeks after just finding out that the person I was supposed to share the rest of my life with has decided to leave me for someone else. Stay tuned. So let's get started. In the last podcast, I spoke about my Dubai trip and my significant other deciding to end our 14-year relationship for someone that he met at work and got to know around two weeks before our Dubai trip. So I don't think I can share about my recovery and my therapy and dating until I I really talk about what happened in Dubai in those two weeks and how my life changed. So I'm going to take you back to how I found out. The Dubai trip, we had booked two different resorts or hotels, I guess you can call it. We were supposed to spend about one week on the palm at a resort, beachfront, And the second week to 10 days we were supposed to spend at one of my favorite hotels in downtown Dubai called The Palace. So the first four days of the trip seemed pretty normal, I suppose. We hung out at the resort. We went to a mall nearby on the Palm. And um, I started to notice something was off when... And I know this is going to sound a bit funny, but he was just being really nice and, and generous. And that's not the guy that I know. Um, for example, we were looking at necklaces. I have a few Arabic necklaces with my name in a teardrop setting. And it's very beautiful. It's very unique. And all of a sudden, he wanted to buy one for one of his daughters. And in in the past, whenever we buy something for one of the girls, we have, I have one daughter and he has two, so three girls together. So whenever we buy something for one of the girls, we actually never do that. We always make sure all three of the girls get something. So I found it rather odd that he only wanted to buy a necklace for one of his daughters. So that was one. And another example was there was an expensive bottle of oud that I was, um, I was smelling and it was just beautiful. If you've ever, uh, smelt Arabian oud, it's just intoxicating and it's just, just amazing. Um, anyways, he splurged on that and I was like, wow, who is this guy? Like he's feeling really generous. This, this is not normal. <laughs> All right. So back to the necklace, I found it rather, mm-hmm. Odd that he only wanted to buy one necklace for one of his daughters. So, long story short, he wanted to buy this necklace for the co-worker. I suppose he figured that because the coworker and his eldest daughter shared the exact same letters, just in different order. Of their first name that he could get away with it however I'm pretty intuitive and I have always been an observer of patterns and behaviors and uh, what can I say I know him probably better than he knows himself but I gave him the benefit of the doubt that okay maybe he just does want to get it for one of his daughters who knows why um, so I left that story alone And focused on just trying to enjoy the trip. So day four of the trip, we were sitting at the beach and seemed to be having a pretty good day. He was on his phone a lot and I thought it was just checking his stocks because that's all he likes to talk about. So after dinner, we went back to the room. I was tired and I said goodnight and went to bed. And then suddenly I got up and I looked at my phone and it was about 3:30-ish in the morning and I noticed that uh my ex, I'll call him that, was not in the bed. Um so I went looking for him in this beautiful suite and found him in the living room area on his phone. So I asked him like, why he was up, that's not normal for him to be up that late texting. And he replied that he was just texting the guys at work back in Toronto and that I should go back to bed. And in any normal circumstance, I would have been like, okay, bye, good night. But something was off in his tone, I could feel it. I could feel it in my soul, something was not right. He was, I picked up some defensiveness and anger almost, which didn't seem right. It seemed very unwarranted to get a reaction like that. So that answer wasn't good enough for me. And I turned around, I went to use the bathroom, got some water. And I came back I I couldn't go back to bed something was irking me (laughs) something was like nope you need to find out Nas what's going on something's not right you need to go back so I went back to the living room and he just got mad he got really mad about me sitting there beside him he just did not like it and he kept trying to shoo me away and he's never acted like that before So that's how I knew something was up and he needed to tell me what was up. So forgive me if I don't remember all the details. I'm sure my brain has blocked out a lot of things in order to protect me from feeling all kinds of pain and hurt. So I will I will do the best that I can to to recollect that night. The next thing I remember we kept arguing. I kept telling him to really tell me who he was texting and he just kept telling me to go back to bed until finally he just picked up some of his things and, and left the room. I was very surprised at this behavior. Again, like I said, he's, he hasn't acted like that before. I think about 40 minutes went by and he came back and he was mad. And I had gone back to bed. I couldn't sleep. I believe my heart was racing. My mind was racing. I I just didn't know what to think. And when he came back and he was so angry, I think I was scared. And he said something to the effect of, do you really want to know what's going on? Let me tell you. And he proceeded to tell me that yes, There is someone else. And the world just kind of stopped for a moment. He said there is another woman. Someone that he works with. And I think I asked him, Is it serious? Do you love her? Like, what do you mean? I I was just shell-shocked. And he looked at me And he said, yeah, I think I do. So my next question is, how long has this been going on? And he said, about two weeks. We've been going out for coffee almost every day for about four weeks. And yeah, she does it for me. And in my head, I'm like, does what? So I asked him has this been a physical relationship? And he said, absolutely not. I'm not that guy. And my question to myself was, who are you? Like, what do you mean you're not that guy? I don't even know who this guy is. I remember getting up and walking to the bathroom in this suite and I remember thinking to myself, wow, here I am in my happy place in Dubai and this beautiful suite that I remember booking about a month or two months ago. And I remember talking on the phone, looking at the rooms, so excited to, to be here. And here I am in this beautiful place, in this beautiful room, and I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow me. So I go to the bathroom, because I think I'm just dizzy and I'm trying to make sense of things. And he follows me into the bathroom and he's still berating me with, with things that I can't even remember most of it. But I do remember him saying this. I don't love you the way a husband should love his wife. And I just looked at him in disbelief because this was a guy who told me every day for the last 14 years that he loved me, that he was in love with me, that there could never be anyone else. We were soulmates. He drilled that into my head every morning, every night. So then I asked him, how exactly is it that you love me? And his response, um, like a sister? So as you can imagine, my face, my jaw dropped and all I said to him was I don't know how you love your sister but brothers and sisters don't do what we do in the bedroom so then he tried to correct himself and he told me that that was a poor choice of words Uh, yeah, I would think so He then further tried to cut me down, I guess that's how I felt by comparing me to other women, women that he'd met at work, women that he had met when he would go to parties in New York to visit family and, uh, you know, just basically make me feel like crap. And the whole time I kept thinking, this is happening here in Dubai in my happy place why is this happening here as you can imagine i used the word shattered in my previous podcast when i described the moment he told me about the affair although it was an emotional affair it was still an affair he told me that he was ending our relationship and beginning a new one with this woman so it it was an affair So I think in that moment, my survival skills started to kick in and my breathing started to get slow and more shallow as I was trying to calm my body. It was similar to when I was about to give birth and I was in labor. And I remembered the breathing techniques just calm my body. I started to think about this is a really stressful situation, Nas, and this is going to wreak havoc on your body. So let's try to calm down and take a deep breath because stress will affect you in a really bad way. It's going to affect your sleeping. You're not gonna eat and you're probably gonna lose some weight. Not that I mind that part, but I was also really worried that, oh god, my hair's gonna fall out, and I'm already struggling with with that, so please God, don't let my hair fall out. Can you believe that's how I was trying to to calm myself down? I wanted to run. I wanted to hide. I wish desperately that I was back at home in Canada but I had not a single iota of strength left in my body. I believe what happened next is I collapsed on the floor which was stone, beautiful stone, not very comfortable. I remember he went from yelling. And accusing me of all kinds of things, not being able to fulfill him, not being able to be there for him. And I just remember being on the ground and not even crying, but wailing. I don't think I've ever wailed like that. I don't think I've wailed, but it was coming from my soul. It was deep. I had been hurt deep. I can't recall, but somehow I managed to get back into bed. Either he put me back there or maybe I crawled. I honestly don't remember, but I remember trying to sleep. And that first night was hell. I believe I got about two hours of sleep. And keep in mind, I'm still jet-lagged from a 14-hour flight from Canada to the UAE. Surviving Dubai. The next morning, I got up, and for maybe a second, I thought everything was fine. And we are going to go for breakfast, as usual. And then it hit me. The previous night's conversations And I just felt weak, and I couldn't get out of bed. Again, I can't remember if I left the room that day at all. I do think he went for breakfast and acted like he was fine. He still looked angry at me. I think he either brought me back some breakfast, or maybe I ordered a little something, because as much as my body was rejecting food and did not want to eat. I needed to keep my strength up. So I tried to force myself to consume something. I do remember trying to eat a piece of toast and I couldn't even get it in my mouth. And when I did, it was impossible to chew. And you'd think, well, how hard is it to eat toast? And let me tell you something. One of my favorite things to do when I'm on holidays is have breakfast. Especially in a place like Dubai where there's going to be an amazing assortment of different cuisines from all over the world. If you've ever had an Arabic breakfast, it is absolutely lovely. All right, so let me continue on. I believe I mentioned in my previous podcast that The old Naz would have booked herself a brand new ticket and headed back to Canada and ran away. But something inside me said, nope, you're gonna stay right here in Dubai. There was a reason it happened here. There was some serious divine intervention that got you to Dubai and for you to have stumbled upon this revelation of an affair You need to stay and figure out why this happened and what you're going to do next in your life, Naz. Not to mention I did not have the mental or physical capacity to eat, let alone hop on a 14-hour flight back to Canada. Meanwhile, there was something kind of big happening in the world. Something called the coronavirus was rapidly spreading around the globe, infecting millions of people. And I was locked up in my room watching this unfold on television in denial. It felt surreal. It didn't feel more serious than what I was going through. It felt like a joke. I think at one point I even might have said to myself, I would rather deal with coronavirus than this affair slash divorce situation that I've got myself into here in Dubai. I asked difficult questions, and I heard difficult truths, but I needed to hear it. And every letter of every word was like a knife in my soul. You've been listening to Evening Tea with Nas, and that concludes part one of Surviving Dubai. In part two of Surviving Dubai, find out what happens when I contact the other woman.